Good evening, Purple family. Welcome to another episode of Shades of Purple, a Prince podcast. So before we get into tonight's episode about Prince's sexual orientation, I wanted to clear up uh, a few discrepancies that I made on episode two. So for one, I talked about Maddie and her twin sister, Edna, who were born in Minneapolis in actually, I didn't give the year, but they were born in 1933, November 11th, 1933. And I think I said something to the effect of they moved to Minneapolis in the fifties, right before John and Maddie met. No, they were born in Minneapolis. And actually, uh, Tyka, Prince's sister, actually said that her mother and her sister were the first twins born on the north side of Minneapolis, first black twins born uh, on the north side of Minneapolis. So I just wanted to clear that up. And then I wanted to also clear up, okay, so John Nelson, um, Prince's father, he worked for Honeywell as a plastics molder. So he would mold plastics that, you know, I guess it should speak for itself, I suppose, but he was a plastic uh, molder. That's what he did. And also with uh, his brother, Dwayne, I think I said that they played uh, basketball in uh, junior high and high school. They only played in junior high or middle school um, because uh, Prince actually, um, he stopped playing because he became interested in in music, of course. Uh, But he also claimed in The Beautiful Ones, Prince did, that uh, the coach didn't really uh, allow him to... uh, play too often because of his height that's what he claims but he says that uh which i I can kind of believe that prince kind of thought that his coach was you know pretty much just hating on him which he probably was because prince could ball uh let that be known we all know that uh charlie murphy that whole thing with uh him and dave Chappelle, that was a true story and prince could ball he really could um and also with Dwayne, he was actually not just his bodyguard, he was actually Prince's head of security for uh, many years before uh, his passing. And okay, and so finally, well, no, two more, two more things. Okay, so Maurice White was the name of the producer from Earth, Wind, and Fire, from the group Earth, Wind, and Fire, that um, the Warner Brothers executives wanted uh, him to produce Prince's first album for you. And Prince was like, no, I don't want to sound like Earth, Wind, and Fire. I don't want to sound like Maurice White. No. So that was his name. I think I said, oh, I forgot his name. So I went back and looked his name up. And then finally, I kind of misspoke when I talked about uh, the For You album as far as its peak position on the charts. I said it peaked at 165. It's It really peaked at 163. So it just went up two, two notches, uh, not 165. So I just misspoke there. But... So I just wanted to clear up those little discrepancies because I really pride myself on wanting to be as accurate as possible with all of my information. So I just wanted to get that out the way. So Purple Family, let's get on to tonight's episode, which is going to be talking about Princess sexual orientation. So before I even begin, I already know what a lot of you are thinking. Everybody knows that Prince is straight. So this episode you would think would be really short, right? Well... That is true. Most people inside of the Purple Family and outside of the Purple Family know that Prince was indeed straight. Without a shadow of a doubt, he was straight. However, I want to focus on those reasons why people may have thought 
that Prince was gay or bisexual. So while we all know that Prince was as straight as they come, we're going to see why some people thought he may have been gay or bi. So basically, I'm going to be discussing two aspects of Prince's personality and persona that may have led people to think that he was gay. First, obviously, his appearance, especially during the Prince uh, and Dirty Mind era where he was wearing the black bikini briefs, the thigh-high boots, the trench coat, and the makeup. Yeah, I mean, I think for anybody, you know, if they were just judging him off his looks, a lot of people would think he was gay. And even in uh, the song, uh, was it Uptown? He said, you know, this girl said, are you gay? You know, so just by looking at him, a lot of people would assume that he was gay. And the second reason why a lot of people assumed that Prince was gay gay or bisexual was because they just didn't know enough about him. He had this mysterious mystique about him. And uh, he, he wanted to keep people interested in the music and not him. And so, especially during the early, early 80s, he really didn't do a lot of interviews. And so, um, so people just assumed they only went off of, you know, what they saw. I mean, they, they, they loved the music, of course, because his music was great. But it got people to wondering more about the type, the type of man that he was, the type of man behind the music. Uh, see, it's because once again, Prince just, just, you know, chose to not do a lot of interviews. Uh, but I will talk about, uh, two interviews that he did do. He did up doing a few interviews to promote, uh, the Dirty, um, Mind album. And then he also had one in 1981 that we're going to talk about. But, uh, so let's just get right into it. First, obvious his appearance. So around the time that Prince would start promoting his second album, the self-titled Prince album, Uh, his wardrobe kind of changed. So according to Des Dickerson, who was Prince's guitarist in the band before the revolution, which was never officially given a name, but it would come to be known as the rebels. This came from an album that was never released by the same name. So the rebel members were Gail Chapman on keyboard, Mark Fink, uh, known as Dr. Fink later on the other keyboard, Des Dickerson on guitar, Andre Simone on bass, Bobby Z on drums, and of course, Prince on lead guitar and vocals. Okay, so let's go back to what Des Dickerson had to say about Prince's change of wardrobe. So Prince was told by his manager at the time, a man named Perry Jones, that he couldn't wear pants without underwear on stage. So <laughs> Prince being the rebellionist type he was back then, he just decided, well, I'm just going to go on stage and perform in my underwear. Since I, you're saying I can't wear underwear that I have to wear underwear under my clothes. I'm just going to just wear the underwear. <laughs> so Prince obviously didn't like to be, you know, told what to do. So, you know, he just decided I'm just going to wear my underwear on stage. So if you ever see the video for uh, why you want to treat me so bad, which is the second single off of the uh, Prince album, you'll see that he is wearing blue jeans as well as uh, the video for the first single. I want to be your lover. Those, I think those are the only two times that we see Prince wear blue jeans. Uh, no, wait a minute. There is one more other time when he did the uh, Rolling Stone cover cover with uh, Vanity. He was wearing blue jeans then. But those are the only three times that I can recall uh, Prince wearing blue jeans. But anyway, so there is another version of the video for I Want to Be Your Lover that has the whole band in it. Uh, It's on YouTube, and I actually put it on the uh, Facebook page. And it looks like, okay, so Prince is only wearing, in this video, 
Chris is only wearing white suspenders and what looks like to be like blue boxer shorts or what they're calling them now, hoochie daddy shorts. <laughs> it looks like that's what he has on. Uh, and he has blue leg warmers and silver boots. So in this video, Prince can be seen leaning up against Dez at one point. He walks up to Gail on the keyboard and caresses her face. So you can see the duality in his attention. Now keep in mind now, he's thinking about wanting to be someone's lover and he's leaning up against a male, then touching the face of a female in the video. So when you combine the lyrics with his appearance in the video, you can see how people may have assumed that maybe he was bisexual. Now, we know that assuming makes an ass out of you, but I'm only pointing out how people go off of visuals and what they see. Now, this particular video, the one with the band in it, was not aired at the time. Uh, Prince uh, chose not to do that one. Instead, they released the one with him playing all the instruments and him by himself. The, uh, the one with him wearing that uh, V-neck uh, blouse, women's blouse, and the uh, blue jeans. So that's the one they decided to go with. So, okay, so you're probably wondering, okay, so why bring up the video if no one saw it at the time? Well, because he would also do the same actions during live performances. So people that would go to his live performances would see him rubbing up against Dez or caressing Gail at one point uh during the Dirty Mind tour uh, for the song Head like he would literally French kiss Gail for like minutes at a time you know so that was crazy um and she actually said that she didn't mind that but you know after a while you know it did start to to wear on her a little bit and uh Dez uh commented in his book that he's like I kind of felt sorry for her that she had to sit there and like you know kiss french kiss a prince for like you know a couple of minutes but of course uh us in the purple world especially us women folk uh we wouldn't have minded it <laughs> so um actually i think we're probably all a little jealous of gail and him and her getting to do that with prince but anyway so moving on <laughs> okay so prince actually himself later on in an interview with chris rock in 1997 would actually reference this alternative video okay so when chris rock asked him about his androgynous persona he asked him okay so were you searching for your sexual identity or was it all an act and prince responded i wouldn't say i was searching i was just being the true gemini that i am and there was a little acting too with me hugging the bass player a man and kissing the keyboardist a woman you know, it's rock and roll. You know, that was his response to Chris Rock. So now this was also the same interview where he talked about why he turned down the duet with Michael Jackson on the song Bad. He said, you know, he didn't agree with that opening line, your butt is mine. He told Chris Rock, now who's going to sing that to who? Because you sure ain't singing that to me. And I'm sure not singing that to you. So that right there proves that uh, Prince didn't want to have nothing to do with another man's butt. Okay. He was, he didn't even want to sing it. Okay. And it wasn't even, you know, meaning in that, you know, that derogatory way, but that's how Prince took it. And he was just like, no, but I also think that, you know, Prince probably had his own reasons for not wanting to duet with Michael, but I, I'm going to have a whole episode uh, next season talking about, uh, Prince and uh, Michael and the differences and their their similarities or differences and how I kind of my own commentary about their rivalry so I'm not going to speak too much on Michael 
uh, this this go round. So just stay tuned for that. So let's just kind of move on. So in regards to his actions with his band members, um, Prince did not really see that other people see him as being sexually ambiguous. You know, he just saw it as he was just displaying his dual, dual nature, you know, as accordance to his Zodiac sign. And I mean, for Gemini's, you know, their sign is the twins. And so they can, you know, be hot. They can be cold. You know, they, they're basically be, the, um, the best of both worlds. I guess you can say, I really don't know a lot about Zodiac signs and different traits and things like that. I sometimes will play with it, you know, for entertainment purposes. I'm a, I'm a Scorpio myself. Uh, but, uh, he was just saying, Hey, I was just being me. I was just being a Gemini. So, and he, and he admitted to, there was a little acting, you know, on his part. So, <laughs> Um, the video for I Want to Be Your Lover uh, was released, you know, with him playing all the instruments by himself in that open V-neck blouse and the blue jeans. And the V-neck blouse was clearly a woman's blouse. And it has his chest out. And y'all, okay, forgive me. I love, you know, I love Prince, okay? But he has the cutest little bird chest. And I'm kind of glad that... You know, he, at one point, you know, he did get the, you know, the six pack, the abs, but I'm glad that he didn't try to get too bulky, but because, you know, with him being such a small man, he was only five, two, you know, so it it wouldn't have looked right if he got to be, you know, too buff. So, but he loved his chest hair. He loved his chest. He loved his body. He was very confident, you know, even, you know, despite the fact, you know, of his, of his height. And that's one of the things I've, I can say that I've always admired about him as a person as that he really, really loved himself. And I mean, I mean, I guess I could say this, even though I just said I wasn't going to talk about Michael, but that was one of the things that was made him so different from Michael is Michael had all of these, um, you know, these insecurity issues with his looks and things like that. And I mean, it came from, you know, you know, his, uh, his father telling him, that he had a big nose and, you know, other people in his family talking about him. And that's unfortunate because Michael also was a good looking guy at one point. And I hate that, you know, he, you know, did all those surgeries and messed up his nose, but you know, Prince, you know, he kind of had almost the complete opposite uh, thing going on. He completely loved how he looked and um, he was very confident. And I think that made him also very attractive to women as well. I was just, what I would suspect, you know. So, okay, so moving on. So, so it was a mixture of his dress and his behavior that made people kind of think, you know, he looked a little sus, you know. So I want to also talk about just briefly, uh, Brown Mark uh, did a book called My Life in the Purple Kingdom. And according to Brown Mark, now he's the bass player that came in after Andre Simone left. Uh, so I'm going to read a little bit from his book. Um, at the time he was getting ready to audition to be in Prince's band and he knew about Prince because there were well-known, uh, he was kind of well-known Prince was well-known around Minneapolis, but there were also supposedly, supposedly now gay rumors about Prince and his book, like I said, it's entitled my life in the purple kingdom. Brown Mark said that said this about a conversation he had with a band member named Magic Mike. Now this member, this band member uh, was a member of Brown Mark's band that he was playing at the time before he auditioned to be, uh, which would 
would become the revolution. Um, he was in a band called Fantasy. And this uh, guy that was in the band with him named Magic Mike, um, he said this. Uh, so he was talking to Brown Mark about the audition. So he said, Magic Mike was trying to scare me by making comments about all the rumors going around about the kid, as Prince was known. You have better watch out because I heard Prince is gay. He then told me that Prince was going to try to get in my booty as an initiation to join his band. Oh my goodness. Brown Mark would go on to further clarify this statement just a few pages later. Okay. When he said all sorts of rumors circulated through the Minneapolis music scene of Prince being crazy and kinky. Suddenly I began to wonder if they were true. I started to think about some of the songs like sister Bambi and head. And the more I meditated on the lyrics of the songs, the more uneasy I felt. Uh, 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 okay. So, however, his uneasiness would later prove to be unfounded and very unnecessary. So after the audition, Prince volunteered to take Brown Mark home. And Brown Mark, you know, he got a little bit apprehensive, you know, because thinking that, okay, you know, is Prince going to start this booty initiation or whatever. But on the ride home, however, Mark realized that those rumors about Prince were not true. He says, after about 20 minutes, I'm really starting to like this guy. I warm up to him and very quickly, he says, very, very quickly, he realizes he's a real person underneath the hard rock image. He, he's not kinky. He's not strange and nothing like the rumors reported. So Brown Mark realized that, you know, Prince was just a regular guy, just like him, that he wasn't kinky or strange or weird. You know, he maybe had those personas going on, you know, but that's not who he really was. And I would even go far as to say, as far as, you know, you know, now he had this persona of him being like this, you know, kinky kind of sex freak almost, you know, especially when you look at, you know, some of the songs that would be on Dirty Mind, uh, like Head and Sister and all that. But honestly, I kind of feel like Prince was actually more conservative when it came to sex. And we're going to be talking about Dirty Mind, I think in episode six or so. But just to give you a little preview, I, I and the reason why I say that is because um, it was in another article. I've done, I've done so much research, y'all. I can't really remember where I read this at. But there was an article where Prince, or maybe it wasn't a book, but Prince said that, you know, when he stayed over there, he had a house on Lake Minnetonka. And... When he was staying at this house, like there was like an intercom that you could, before you got to the gate, you know, there was a gate, there was an intercom. And so he said people would leave like the most nastiest things on the messages of the income of the intercom. And then he was just like, I don't know why people think he's like, well, I know because of the lyrics, but he's like, I'm not really like that, you know? So I really do think that when it came to his own sexual you know, his own life, you know, his personal life, that he was much more conservative when it came to sex. Um, but that's just my thinking, just based on some things that I've read. So switching gears a little bit. So, okay. So going back to, okay. So Owen Husney, which was Prince's first manager, he quit, uh, being Prince's manager around 19, uh, at the, like the, uh, end of 1978 going into 1979. Uh, it was over a little silly dispute. It was, According to Owen, it was about, of all things, 
a space heater okay but i don't really have enough time to go into all that but apparently prince was thinking that you know it was basically owen's job to just do his bidding it's like as far as like doing running errands when really managers really don't do that they do other things like trying to book shows and things like that and so he had told um he had told pepe willie or told prince to tell pepe willie to go get the space heater because Owen was busy doing other stuff. And so they got into it and eventually um, Owen just decided to part ways over a space heater. Yeah. So Prince was without a manager for a little while. So Pepe Willie stepped in and did some managing. He was, it was actually Pepe that organized the band's first show at the Capri theater on January 5th and 6th of 1979. So that was the very first time that the band uh, would perform. And the reviews of the shows were kind of mixed. Dez was having issues with his wireless guitar connections. So they had to kind of stop the show for a little bit so he could get his guitar in order. And then Prince kind of pretty much, he sang with his back to the audience. (laughs) So um, the two performances, like the second one supposedly was better than the first one. But uh, the two performances together uh, were proof enough that, you know, Prince and the band, they were not ready to tour yet. So fast forward a little bit. He's kind of still in between managers and he's getting ready to sign with actually Bob Marley's manager, a man named Don Taylor. So Prince and Bob Marley actually met. They met after a show that Prince did at uh, the Roxy in L.A. on November 26th of 1979. And at this point, he was out promoting uh, his second album, uh, Prince. Uh, But the meeting did not go as well as Mr. Taylor had planned because of how Marley had received Prince to be a homosexual. And so I'm getting this from an article from Far Out Magazine. So I'm going to quote exactly uh, what was said here in the article. So it says, this moment in time, Prince has started to flirt with androgyny dressing in ways that diverted from gender norms while it was a groundbreaking move that made the purple one stand out from his peers not everybody was impressed marley was not only over a decade older but his jamaican background had also given him a more conservative worldview and gender in his mind wasn't a fluid construct so definitely bob marley being from jamaica and having more of a conservative view of gender roles um and gender there was no fluidity you know like now you know uh there's like binary and uh, non non-binary and binary and trans and you know um you know people like that but back then not to say those people you know that they didn't exist but it wasn't as out there as it is now and there was no such thing in a lot of people's minds of gender being fluid so The meeting was nothing short of a disaster and Taylor later remembered it vividly with the result of this might have been. However, I'll never know. He said, when we called on Prince, he met us in this skimpy leopard G string undergarment, which immediately aroused Bob's Jamaican macho feelings. And so our stay was brief as Prince's G string and Bob's discomfort were shown all over his face. So Prince met Bob Marley in a leopard G-string 
undergarment or underwear. And so, of course, Bob was just like, uh, no. (laughs) So tragically, after that meeting, they weren't able to, you know, fraternize again because 18 months later, Marley would pass away. So while there was no guarantee that the collaboration would have worked, they thought of them coming together, you know, really just, you know, arises, you know, our imaginations because imagine a collaboration of Prince with Bob Marley. That would have been awesome, wouldn't it? But I guess it just wasn't meant to be because Bob kind of, you know, believes that Prince was a homosexual and um, he just, you know, was one of those guys who just did not feel comfortable around homosexuals, unfortunately. Uh, even though Prince was not. Prince was not a homosexual. But because of the way he dressed and the way he looked, people assumed that he was. So... Prince ended up not being represented by Don Taylor, but instead a man named Perry Jones. And that's the one who uh, told him that he couldn't, you know, wear the underwear. uh, Well, he had to wear underwear under, under his pants. So that makes me think that maybe Perry uh, was already his manager and maybe he was trying to see if Don Taylor would be his manager because maybe he didn't like Perry. Uh, that's the, kind of the, the vibe that I'm getting, especially since Perry told him, you know, that he had to wear underwear under his pants and he was just like, no. So I think that Perry was probably still his manager when he went to go see Don and I guess it just didn't work out. Uh, but Bob Marley though, would not be the only person that would be rubbed the wrong way by the way Prince looked. So in October of 1981, y'all already probably know what I'm going to talk about. Uh, Prince opened up for the Rolling Stones in LA at the Coliseum. So the shows did not go very well. And that's putting it very lightly. So basically Prince and the Rebels were booed off the stage. Now this crowd coming to see the Rolling Stones was mostly white and were into like white rock and roll bands like um, the Rolling Stones and you know like uh, the Beatles and the Who and you know, so they were used to those type of bands. So I think uh, racism may have also played a factor, but also the fact that Prince came out in front of 90,000 Stone fans wearing his black bikini briefs, his black leg warmers, and his thigh-high boots. So you know the crowd wasn't having it. So they started throwing trash on the stage. They called him, you know, the F word and, you know, probably the N word too. Uh, so it really angered Prince so bad that, um, I mean, they could not finish their set that first, uh, that first day. So, I mean, it angered him so, so bad to the point where he just literally left the stage, got in his limo and took a flight home. Like, bang, bang. I mean, he didn't even tell the band to leave the stage. So it was actually, uh, Dez, uh, in his book, he talks about how he was the one who, you know, had had cued the band to leave because Prince just left. He was just done. So um, it took a, a couple of people, uh, including Mick Jagger and Des Dickerson, had to convince Prince to return for the second show because he was just done. So he came back for the second show, which was on a Sunday. The first show was on a Friday. Uh, so he had a whole day to kind of chill out and had time to think because at the end of the first show, like I said, he went straight back home. So the second show, which was on Sunday, October 11, 1981, 
it went better. They were able to get through their whole set, but there was still a lot of booing and throwing a trash. But the second time they were not forced to leave the stage. So they did finish. But Prince would later comment that he could see why the crowd may have not liked what he was wearing, but that did not give them the right to throw trash. You know, to Prince, that was a sign of people not having no home train. And I agree. I also believe it was a kind of a humbling experience for Prince because he probably needed to be brought down to reality. I mean, he was starting to get recognized, you know, by performing in venues like the Roxy in LA. And that's where Mick Jagger saw him perform and in other places in bigger cities like New York. So he was starting to make a name for himself. So he might've been feeling himself a little bit. So the Rolling Stone concert experience probably brought him down to earth. It also made, it also kind of fueled more rumors about, you know, Prince's sexual orientation. So, but in a 1983 interview with a musician magazine, Prince was asked outright now, was he gay? And so I have an excerpt that I'm going to read from that article. And so the musician, uh, do you think people think that you're gay? And so this is Prince's response. He said, well, there's something about me. I know that makes people think that it must stem from the fact that I spent a lot of time around women. Maybe they see some things I don't. Okay. And so that could be why that could, that's a very, I think a very good response. And so, uh, they next asked, okay, so people are always speak about a feminine sensuality as if it's something negative in a man, but it's usually very attractive for most women, like a sensitivity. And, um, and I think that's true. Uh, and Prince said, I don't know. It's attractive for me. I mean, I would like to be a more loving person and be able to deal with other people's problems a little bit better. Men are really closed and cold together. I think they don't like to cry. In other words, I don't think I, and I think that's wrong because you know, that's not true. So in other words, Prince was really in touch with his, you know, his feminine side. And he didn't think that that was a bad thing. Uh, um, Prince was, uh, what he wasn't comfortable with though, was the expectations of American masculine masculinity. And we talk a lot today about like toxic masculinity and um, I think that's kind of what, what we're talking about here in this regard. The fact that you can be so macho and so much of a man that you just, you know, you don't try to soften. You always want to be hard all the time. And there's no need for that, you know. It doesn't allow for you to be vulnerable or intimate or be expressive. And you don't have to be gay to, to, to be, you know, a little soft. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, um, people thought he was gay, not because of any evidence that of his sex life, because like I said, there's no, there is absolutely no evidence that he was ever in any relationship with any man. Okay. There's never, I mean, he's been gone now for what, six years. And so I kind of feel like at this point, if, you know, if there was a man out there who had been intimate with Prince. We would have known that, you know, by, by now, but there is no evidence, evidence of that. So, but because he likes hanging out with women and, um, and sometimes, you know, he, he, he would wear the makeup and the heels and the flamboyant clothes. And, uh, but that's just, he was just being Prince, you know, that was, he was just being who he was as a person. And he really didn't care about what mainstream America thought, you know, whether or not they understood it. I mean, that was their problem, you know, not princes, you know? 
So in another interview with the LA Times in 1982, Prince uh, started off the interview, okay, by saying, let me clear up a few rumors while I have the chance. One, my name is Prince. It's not something I made up. Two, I'm not gay. And three, I'm not Jamie Starr. Now, Jamie Starr is someone who I will be talking about, I, I believe in episode six or seven where we're going to be talking about um uh controversy his fourth album uh so we're going to get back to uh jamie star he's an interesting character but um but yeah prince just let it be known like look i am not gay and prince is my actual name because a lot of people uh didn't believe that prince was his real name they thought that it was just his stage name but no it's his actual name uh, so let's uh, talk about the other instances of Prince blurring the lines of, you know, gender roles and norms. Uh, one of the ways that he did this was when he adopted the love symbol, you know, as his symbol, you know, and that was basically, you know, his name from 1993 to 2000 uh, when he was having his dispute with Warner Brothers over ownership of his music. So the love symbol, you know, is the male and the female signed together. So once again, it has that, you know, that sexual ambiguity, you know, with it. And then he has like lyrics to certain songs, like I I will die for you, where he says, I'm not a woman. I'm not a man. I am something that you will never understand. And of course we know that he was actually talking about Jesus, but for people who don't, who haven't made that connection, uh, they think he's talking about himself when no, he wasn't, he was talking about Jesus. But, you know, like I said, a lot of people don't know that. And so they're thinking, okay, so is he saying he's bisexual? Like, what what does he mean? You know, and then there's another song uh, off the side of the Times, one of my favorite songs uh, by Prince, actually, If I Was Your Girlfriend. Uh, A lot of people have misinterpreted that song, thinking that he's talking about himself. And he is talking about himself, but he's talking about singing about how he wants to relate to his, his woman or his girlfriend like she relates to her female friends, her girlfriends. Now you have to remember Prince is, you know, a baby boomer. So back then, you know, they would say girlfriends, meaning, you know, that's your, your, your friend, that's a girl. Like if you're like, like for me, like I have female friends, they're my girlfriends. And so a lot of people that are like, you know, in Gen Z or even some millennials that are not used to that terminology, they're just like, is he talking about himself being somebody's girlfriend? No. And if you listen to the lyrics, you can see he's actually talking about wanting to be having a close relationship with his girlfriend like she has with her best girl, her best girl that's a friend. <laughs> so uh, his controversial performance on the MTV Video Music Awards in 1991 with the assless pants. Okay. So let me uh, explain that. So actually, it turns out that was not his actual ass. Okay, that was it was the nude flesh colored panels of fabric made to look like an ass, but it was still not his ass, but it was still shocking. And it started up, you know, the gay rumors again. But I think he was really just trying to tell everyone to just kiss his ass. Like, that's what I think. (laughs) Um, I don't have any proof of that, but that's just, you know, my take on it. We all know that Prince liked to shock people and be different. So to me, that was just one of those calculated shocking moments that he liked to do from time to time. So um, 
but you know it did speculate like oh he got his ass out like oh okay is he trying to invite you know somebody back there nah he's just telling people to kiss his ass and uh it wasn't and it wasn't even his ass to begin with so there's that um another aspect about prince like i said and i've already kind of talked about this a little bit but prince really fully embraced his femininity and he loved working with women and he had and he really really uh encouraged and supported female musicianship because he had female guitarists uh wendy melvion cat dyson andy allo <coughs> uh, excuse me y'all he had uh female drummers uh sheila e cora coleman dunnan and hannah welton he had female bass players Rhonda Smith and Ida Nellison. I think that's how you say her name. And he had, you know, of course, female dancers, Cat Glover, Robin Power, Maite, the twins, uh, Damaris Lewis, uh, the ballerina, Misty Copeland. So he really supported female musicianship. And not a lot of artists would do that. You wouldn't see a lot of artists that would have female drummers or female bass players or guitarists, you know, you really didn't see that a whole lot. So Prince really um, encouraged women and supported them. You know, um, Prince said in another interview that he really liked working with women, which was obvious, but he liked working with women better than men because he said that they took direction better and that they listened better with men. He said, it's always about ego and competition and with women, it's not all about that. So you can really focus more on the quality of the music and, so, um, for Prince, that was what was most important. So, of course, uh, Prince had dozens, dozens and dozens of, of girlfriends. And he had two wives, of course, during his lifetime. So, he was often seen with a beautiful woman on his arm. And there was never any rumors, like I said, once again, of him being sexually involved with any man. So, Prince was known to really not even like men. He didn't listen to male vocalists. And he would often avoid working with men if he could, because he really preferred preferred working with women. So he did have a few male friends though, um, that he was kind of close to, uh, like, uh, Tavis Smiley and Van Jones are two men that I know that, uh, he, uh, was uh, kind of close to, uh, cause he went on Tavis Smiley's show, uh, that, that he had on BET several times and, uh, him and Van Jones worked together with different, uh, philanthropy. I can't say that word. Uh, philanthropy, perlam. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to even try, but just, you know, all of this, uh, gift giving and, uh, charity work and stuff that Prince did that we found out only after he passed away. Um, for, 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 oh, I, I'm, I'm going to get it y'all. Perlanthropy. I can't say it. I'm <laughs> so Okay, but all of his um, special, you know, work that he did. Van Jones actually talked about a lot of Prince's uh, gift giving that he did. Uh, solar panels and uh, like he he paid for all these uh, solar panels to p- be put on people's houses. And there is this uh, one um, program called Girls uh, That Can Code or something like that, uh, that were teaching kids how to code. And so Prince paid for that, you know, so Van Jones, you know, talked all the time about all of the, uh, uh, things that Prince would do to help, you know, charity wise. He was very, very charitable. And I'm going to talk about more about that on another episode, but I'm sorry, y'all. I'm trying to get, 
you know what I'm trying to say. Princess for Lampert. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, let me stop. Let me stop. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead. We're right at 40 minutes. So let me go ahead and conclude um, the episode. But okay, so in closing, in closing, oh, I can't talk. See, this is what happens. I get tongue tied after about 45 minutes. <laughs> so that's something else I guess I got to work on. So in closing, the main reason why Prince was seen as being gay was because of his appearance and because of people not knowing enough about him. Uh, Prince was giving off all these different mixed signals too that kept people coming back to his music and kept people coming back to him because they wanted to know more about him. Uh, At the time, Prince was just being who he was. He was being himself. And as the old worn out cliche, I've seen this so many times on Facebook, so many times on YouTube, but it's true. Prince is the only man that can wear makeup and heels and still take your girl. Facts on facts on facts, okay? He actually said that the reason why he wore heels is not because he was short, but because women loved them. So you can either interpret that as he admired women because they wore heels or because he wanted to be, you know, more like them. Or, you know, I, I'm not sure. But I think both could be true. Like, he he probably liked how the heels looked on him. And he also liked the fact that women liked heels. And so, like I said, he was very, very just in touch with his feminine side. And I don't think that was a bad thing. Because Prince was still, to me, he was still very masculine. You know, um... So I don't know. He just like seemed like he was able to find a balance. And most men don't have that. Most men do not find a balance with that. But I think that he was able to do that. Uh, Okay, so that's going to be it for this episode. So let me see what else. Mm, Yeah, I think I think that's it. So we're going to end the episode next week. We're going to I'm looking over. I'm reading my notes, y'all. So um, next week, we're going to be talking about Prince's uh, racial identity. Was he black? Was he mixed? We're going to talk about it. Okay. So um, that one probably won't be as long as this one. But then again, I don't know. It just really just depends on my research. Uh, I find so many fascinating things. So I'm going to try my best, like I said, to kind of keep it right at uh, 30 to 45 minutes. Now, there might be some times that I go over to an hour So I just, you know, hope that you guys are, you know, still listening. And um, like I said, I think this one is, you know, the best one that I've done so far, I believe. Uh, But I would still love your feedback as always. But until then, peace and be wild and may you live to see the dawn. Good night, Purple Family. Love you.